Hi everyone and welcome to Opinionated Science, the podcast from Technology Networks. I'm Ruri, the neuroscience editor again, and I'm very happy today to be joined by Ash Board, TN's editorial director on today's podcast. How are you, Ash? I'm good, Ruri. I'm 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 very good. So, uh, big question is, how are you? Yes, uh, I'm 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 doing fine, but it has been a while since I was on one of these episodes, and uh, today's podcast is actually going to be discussing why. It's it's very good to be back, but uh, unfortunately, I've been off sick for uh, a couple of weeks with COVID. Now we've discussed COVID a lot on the podcast this year in various episodes, touching on vaccines and its effects on the brain and such like. But uh, we now have some actual firsthand information on what it's like to have it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I'm 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 a young guy. I'm I'm, I'm 26. Um, but COVID still put me out of action for a few weeks, and uh, you know a lot of the of the discussion around COVID kind of focuses on people who unfortunately get very ill or people who are asymptomatic. But um, you know, I, I I kind of felt somewhere in between, so I thought it might be a good opportunity to talk a bit about what my symptoms were and how I'm feeling now. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's it's important to put things in in context first because you know I, I said I'm. 26 and you know in in, in my 20s um definitely a, a a younger person but covid's relationship to the person who's infected's age is is really strong and um as has been covered in in many other podcasts and discussions already uh, that ratio holds across different countries uh, across different patient groups and there's innumerable stats to back this up so in Italy, for example, a study um, conducted in October showed that um, across the country, only 11 people aged 20 to 29 had passed from COVID, whereas over 25,000 people who were aged 70 plus had sadly passed. And in that's, Spain, this, yeah. That's so stark. I, I I knew it was, I knew there were obviously, dis- well, discrepancies is the wrong word, but I knew it was obviously tilted towards kind of age, but I didn't realize it was quite that stark. Yeah, and and because so much discussion in the media, for example, has just been looking purely at, um, at deaths from the from the disease. Understandably, uh, mm. that has, I think, kind of masked a, a a big discrepancy in the the ratio between people getting hospitalised and, and and people dying. So, um, some data from the CDC in America shows that uh, compared to my own age group, um, mm. people age. 40 to 49, I believe that's uh, your age group, Ash. Just, just thanks, no for, thanks for dropping that in, Rory. Well, uh, <laughs> I think I think it's important. I think it's important for everybody to understand I'm at the lower end of that age group. I mean, that's <laughs> that's maybe the most important thing anyone can take from this podcast. But um, people people in that bracket, even even those just um, <laughs> rated by the CDC as being ten times more likely to to die from from COVID, but just three times more likely to be hospitalised and that discrepancy gets bigger and bigger. So if we look mm-hmm. at people in the 65 to 74 age bracket, we see that the, the likelihood of them dying from COVID compared to someone my age is, is 90 times, whereas the difference in hospitalization rates is just five times. And then finally we get to the most vulnerable age group of people aged 85 mm-hmm. plus. And whilst they're 630 times more likely to die from COVID, that really is a shocking stat. That's, um, that's- I mean that is far far higher. If you do, I think there's no way, no way, had I gone anywhere near that. That's that's, that's again, it's pretty stark, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but the the hospitalisation rates are are 13 times more likely. So it shows that 
people my age can get ill from this from this disease and, and can mm-hmm. end up in hospital and, and even if thankfully the the ratio of young people dying is, is lower um clearly people are still getting sick but uh, as i said you know i i kind of felt like i ended up in a in a middle bracket so um so i guess worry i mean it's uh like i said someone that's sort of been through it i mean like in that middle bracket how how did you feel at your kind of at its at your worst how did you feel and how did it compare to maybe something that people could recognize kind of seasonal flu or maybe a bad cold or something so i've been very lucky in my um relatively short lifespan and haven't really been seriously ill but i have caught some of the the rock star diseases so i did have swine flu back in um 2009 believe it or not um and uh compared to to something like that which is i guess one of the the more severe um strains of flu going around uh, this was nothing like that if purely just for the breadth of symptoms that i felt um okay initially the case felt like a as as you said a, a case of of bad flu um so uh, the first day which was a a monday i believe in the evening i started feeling achy um mm-hmm. and uh, sort of chesty but kind of irregular cough um, emerged and and I had a slight temperature but it it really lasted a very short period of time Um, just one reading was above 37.5 degrees celsius. Um, So did you, um, sorry Rory, so on this I mean in terms of those symptoms like in the early stages were there any of the what what can be termed like classic covid symptoms you were seeing in terms of the persistent cough the high temperature etc I mean you, you mentioned temperature there but in terms of like persistent cough and things the cough was the the biggest giveaway so initially i felt achy um which is not and my, my muscles were sore and my skin felt a bit sore which sounds a bit scary when you're saying it but it's, it's not one of the the classical symptoms of of covid and it wasn't for a a couple of days that um the cough started to to develop um but i did try and note down my symptoms as they they progressed um over time and um by a few days later on the, the thursday the um, the aches had pretty much entirely re- retreated, so that non-classical COVID symptom had gone away. But mm-hmm. um, the cough was now accompanied by a, a slight shortness of breath, and you know, I, I, I think this is understandably for anyone who has had mild symptoms, probably the, the scariest one because um, it, it certainly it's it's nothing like I'd ever felt with with flu, for example. You know, the cases of, of flu I have had. Um, in the past, you know, I've I've gotten a temperature and I've I've felt that achiness, but um, my breathing's not really ever been affected. Um, so, in in terms of that, I mean, just just so people know, I mean, do, do you have asthma or any kind of underlying conditions like that? No, I, I don't have any any asthma or any breathing difficulties, but um, it, it's kind of a double whammy, Ash, because you have this shortness of breath, and that's paired with um, a real fatigue that sets in, so you feel like your body's telling you stop doing everything just take a break um okay and yeah that's paired with this this um slight slight breathlessness that i felt that obviously for for other people becomes much more extreme um so so for you i mean yeah i mean that, that was i guess it's sort of preempt my next question a bit but like your slight breathlessness did that ever get did, did it sort of reach a reach the, like a minor level and then just kind of stay at that and then then disappear or did did it how how did that because i know for some people it kind of it just constantly it obviously gets worse or some people it, it persists so i i wouldn't say the the breaths it, it kind of reached a plateau alongside the cough so the cough 
um, you know, people talk about this very distinctive COVID cough and, um, you know, I, I, I haven't met anyone else who has the COVID cough, thankfully, because they mm-hmm. should be isolating. Um, but uh, for me, it, it did feel quite unique in as much as it settled really in my chest. It was quite racking. Um, no, no phlegm or anything or mucus was coming up, but, um, you know, it would be a really deep, hearty cough that would, would take over my body for um, for brief periods. And um, that did hang around. It, it hadn't gone away until about, um, you know, seven or eight days into into the, the symptomatic course. Um, so when you, so during this whole thing, I mean, was it as symptoms kind of came and went? I mean, we was the fatigue there the whole time? Was that just something that was sort of persisted? Yeah, so... You know, I, I I really did notice that um, I I was in isolation, obviously, for the the government mandated period, which at the time I isolated had changed from fourteen to ten days, is is mm-hmm. what my track and trace team told me to isolate for. And um, being inside for ten days, you know, if you're feeling well, uh, isn't fun. <laughs> you know, and we've obviously all been in lockdown here in the UK, and cool. any even a few days without our government mandated exercise at that time felt pretty interminable but really the the 10 days passed very quickly and that the chief reason for that was because I felt knackered Um, oh okay you know we'd we'd go and uh, I'd go and sit on the sofa um, and really do uh, very little else for the for the entire day you know I might um, move between the the bed and the sofa but um, you know the days would go very fast because you'd be napping for a lot of it okay Um, and this was kind of paired and this is another thing that really separates out um covid from from anything else i've had including the flu was um that the fatigue wasn't just in my body it, it was in my my mind as well oh okay how how did you find have you experienced anything like that before no definitely not i mean the i believe at the time um i wrote down that the only thing i could really compare it to was having a bad hangover okay uh, if you imagine, uh, yeah, you've had a, a big night and you're suddenly asked to do um, <laughs> do a day of work, you know, you, you just don't feel up to it. But um, believe me, there was there was nothing I, I wanted less than a, a drink at, at this point. You know, I'd been taking taking vitamins and drinking mm-hmm. water and, and doing very little, but my mind still, especially after that initial achiness period subsided, my mind felt very foggy. Um, you know. I, as, as you're aware, Ash, I briefly um, re- re- tried to return to work on the, the Monday afterwards and mm-hmm, even just yeah. logging in to um, kind of update you with an email it took ages. It took me about 20 minutes to write a, a few line email just trying to focus on what I was wanting to say and get my thoughts in order. Um, these kind of, of cognitive processes just were really slow and inefficient and um, you could almost feel the, the cogs turning more slowly in my brain. So when when you kind of started coming through the other side of it um did was it noticeable or did, did things sort of like lift quickly so certain symptoms lift quickly or did you find it was kind of like a gradual recovery across the, the whole so I'd, illness? I'd say the the disease course went as such so initially there was the achiness and then that kind of overlapped with the cough which pers- persisted for a while um and then there was a few days where i was feeling this um this cognitive fatigue which took a while to shake off and um it was it was a while before I felt ready to 
to re- return to work full time, for example. But the interesting thing is, um, after the achiness had gone and after the cough had really um, become much more mild and, and the, the shortness of breath had gone, that's only at the point where my sense of smell disappeared. Oh, um, OK. So that that so was that had been there until... Okay. That had been there, and I remember on the first day I got a very kind delivery of donuts to to my door from a a friend, and they were um, a godsend at the time, and uh, I, I enjoyed those very much. But yeah, um, from about a week after my symptoms first appeared, for a, a full week after that, um, my sense of smell pretty much disappeared. Now, I uh, I saw a very unsettling video on the internet today of a guy biting into a a whole onion and washing it down with some lemon juice because of his complete lack of smell and taste. And I, I can't say I, I, I found it that strong. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I still would have recoiled at that. Um, and my yeah. taste was still functioning. It may be around two thirds, but um, the, 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 the loss of smell, a lot of people have asked me about this because um, in particular, you know, when you have a bad cold, for example, your, your sense of smell is affected. Mm-hmm. And, um, the only way I could really, I'm trying to think of a way to um, explain this to people who haven't ever experienced a total loss of smell when you have a bad cold and you're trying to smell, you know, you're you're kind of aware that there's something there to smell and yeah. um, your nose feels blocked and, and there's lots of gunk in the way. But, you know, often my experience is if I, I clear my nose briefly, you know, it, it returns slightly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with COVID, my nose was pretty much entirely clear. And it felt like I was trying to smell my dinner with my elbow. You know, there was oh, really? just, just just nothing at all. There was no feedback whatsoever. It was just it really was a, a downer, you know, because like I yeah. said, um, getting getting some nice sweet treats in me at the start of the, the disease course was was really helpful. But that just didn't wasn't an option for about a week. Um, and that was long enough for me to start thinking you know when is this going to come back yeah that was going to be my question is i mean for you i mean it gets quite we'll get onto this in a bit but i mean i guess it gets quite scary doesn't it when new symptoms arise as you as you 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 feel you're like you say it's running in its course and you're 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 getting better and then these new symptoms Mm -hmm. come out yeah and and this i think if anyone takes anything from this podcast is the 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 headline is that in a mild case of COVID, the symptoms can be really variable. Like I've talked to other um, people who've had these same kind of mild symptoms and, and they're often very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to, to someone who had no cough whatsoever, um, but instead their sense of smell went earlier and they had symptoms of a, you know, a bad cold first, which kind of masked the masked the, the smell loss, for example. But it, it really... It really can vary a lot, um, and the, clearly this is why it's been um, difficult for for researchers to, you know, it, it took a while. If you remember, actually, thinking back to the summer, mm-hmm. loss of smell wasn't initially a symptom of of COVID. Yeah. We've we've covered this in other podcasts. Um, you can look back and, and listen to some of our podcasts about COVID in the brain. Uh, initially, smell loss was just something that had started to present itself in in clinics, mm-hmm. and, and doctors had started to say, "Wait a minute, this isn't." This isn't normal. Why are we starting to see this? And it was only later that was added on as a, a recognised symptom. So that's why it's taken this long because it's so inconsistent. So when you, when you sort of came through the other end of this, I mean, how did it compare to a like a normal? Again, we run of like a normal illness, kind of flu or something like that. Which, from my experiences, 
you know you're feeling better and you inevitably do this do the classic thing which is you think you feel better you do too much and then you you feel bad again but just because you've kind of pushed yourself too much was was it similar or or, or was it kind of unique to uh to covid yeah i'd say this is one thing that the, the official advice is getting spot on is that um talking to a gp i was recommended that um, I don't go back to work full time straight away, and that was that was definitely the right decision. So I went back to work in a graduated fashion over a week, mm-hmm. building up my hours, um, and and that felt right because the the tiredness definitely was the last thing to go. Um, and whilst the mental fatigue, it was, it was kind of hard to work out if that was still there. Certainly, um, the the feeling of not really having the energy to to do a lot that mm-hmm. that definitely hung around and. Um, as we've we've started to see for some people that hangs around for a lot longer yeah absolutely i mean it's uh, obviously we'll jump into that to a sec in a second so are you do you think you're fully recovered now would you say i mean i i, I hesitate to use the word normal with you rory but um are you back to normal? <laughs> <laughs> never use that um, <laughs> so this is this is an interesting factor and and you know i, I think um i think your mind can play tricks on you a bit um, and for myself, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been working full time now and I've, I've gotten through those days fine, but, um, obviously it's, it's, it's hard during, um, the pandemic, nothing feels normal really. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, you know, understandable that I, I felt, um, certainly like I have much more energy and I can, I can tell the difference. This is the biggest factor is I can tell, um, even if I still feel a bit tired and, a bit unmotivated it's 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 no longer um due to the disease course you know i think everyone's had a bit of a kicking during this pandemic yeah. But, um yeah i think i think this is an important thing that we we should maybe touch on now is is the the influence of long covid absolutely yeah so i mean before um so pleased to say obviously the long covid is you are fully sort of recovered from that which is awesome but mm. obviously long covid talking very much from my perspective is something it's it it obviously as as covid as as, as we better understand the disease as as, as sort of more and more sort of people sadly contract it long covid is something we hear more about isn't it and i know it's something you've sort of been looking into a little bit yeah absolutely so i wanted to, to preface this this part of the the podcast by saying you know that although yeah, I still feel a, a little bit tired out. You know, I, I I can tell that that feeling is very different to the the fatigue that I felt mm-hmm. when I was when I was sick, where I, I really could just spend the entire day on the the sofa and not really want to to change anything different. But um, for a, a percentage of people, um, these feelings of fatigue that they felt during the disease course um, have persisted for for weeks and in sometimes months. Uh, and yeah, there's there's a lot of discussions happening about this now, but um, at the same time, given that the disease has been with us for such a short period of time, there's not as many studies as compared to there's been studies, for example, of the the primary disease symptoms. So I think it's it's really important that we discuss what long COVID looks like and um, sure. and uh, the symptoms that can arise from it. Now, you know the the, the list I've, I've seen online of um long covid symptoms you know is as long as the list if not longer that i've just described you know people mm-hmm. report this excessive fatigue um headache uh, insomnia chest pain 
um, even something like a skin rash. Um, yeah. Now, this this incredibly broad uh, series of symptoms isn't maybe unique to COVID because um, you know in the past with previous pandemics and, and previous viruses, um, post viral fatigue, for example, is something that's that's well understood and mm-hmm. uh, you know people have recognised that the, the body can take weeks after uh, a disease course to to get back to normal, but the the small percentage of people, but significant percentage of people um, that have felt it over months. Now that that is unusual. Um, yeah. So there was one um, paper which will will link to a, a report we'll link to in the um, show notes here um, that uh, was prefaced by the the developers of the COVID symptom study app here in the UK, which has has tracked mm-hmm. people's symptoms whether or not they've they've had a test and. Um, roughly 60,000 people here in the UK have been ill for more than three months, which um, they extrapolated to be half and 2% of people who have had symptoms. That's, I mean, again, that's incredible. I mean, from that study, I mean, I maybe put you on the spot here. Is there any sort of correlation to age and long COVID or is that not sort of understood at the moment? So this this is an interesting aspect of it. Uh, this study identified that the, the median age for someone suffering with long COVID is is 45. And clearly the research is still on, ongoing for this because um, different um, age groups and demographics have been identified as being more likely to suffer from this. I've, I've read in some places that um, men, for example, are, are more likely to, to suffer these enduring symptoms. We, it's, it's important to identify which ones are explicable as a, as a result of the the virus's effect on the body and um you know certain ones like breathlessness for example um people who are ill in hospital with covid um you know it can it can take a toll over many aspects of your body so um for example we we don't have any long-term data for um SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 yet but for um SARS um which obviously appeared at the start of the the 21st century um, long-term yep. studies have shown that even after, say, 15 years, um, nearly 5% of people still had lesions that were visible in scans on their lungs. And um, nearly 4 out of 10 people examined in that particular study showed that there were effects on their lungs diffusion capacity. So this is the ability of their lungs to bring oxygen okay. into the blood and remove carbon dioxide from it. Uh, so for their comparable coronavirus-related disease, uh, mm-hmm. there are percentage of people who can have long-term um, effects from the disease's direct impacts on on, on vulnerable organs. Um, I, I personally think that this issue of fatigue is the, the more intriguing and mysterious one because um, it, it it's again been seen with SARS, you know, a, a study yep. from 2009 that we'll link again in the show notes, uh, tracked people with SARS for four years and found that four out of 10 of them showed chronic fatigue. But um, as as we've covered a lot on, on the site um, outside of COVID, uh, people with chronic fatigue often um, have a really hard time accessing healthcare. Yeah, that's a, I just one thing I just sort of like wanted to sort of touch upon. So when you talk about them, when you're talking about obviously SARS and the initial outbreak at the 21st century, I think I just wanted to know obviously that it's, I mean, I guess it's, you can, there is no, we're not talking apples to apples here, are we? We're not talking because one has done one thing, the other's going to follow exactly the same track. I mean, it's it's something I sort of, again, there are, there are some, been spoken about a lot and there are some far more kind of learned people to discussing it. But I think the, the most important fact for me is obviously that, I mean, SARS-CoV-2 is 
obviously seen as less deadly than sort of the original outbreak, SARS-CoV-1, uh, but is much more transmissible. So mm-hmm. I think it's maybe to I think it's important that we understand that it, that what was seen for SARS there will be similarities, but it's not to say that we're going to maybe potentially see it at the same levels. I suppose exactly. SARS-CoV-2 is completely uh, novel in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is this is why it's been such a focus of, of so much research is because uh, clearly the clinical presentation differs a lot from yeah. SARS. Um, and this this aspect of fatigue with so many people infected and, um, you know, made ill by uh, COVID-19. Uh, hopefully we can see that um, research into the fatigue aspect of it, which, you know, we've been messaged, as I said earlier, by so many people um, mm-hmm. across our social media um, talking about um, chronic fatigue that feel that um, their, their, their needs aren't addressed by doctors. And um, the classical the classical complaint is that um, doctors feel that it's psychosomatic, that because there's often very few biomarkers accompanying uh, the disease course that yeah. there's not much that can be done um, but a, a, an, an interesting report the one I mentioned earlier um, mm-hmm. which was forwarded by the, the researchers from King's College uh, have identified five recommendations for uh, targeting okay. these these long COVID symptoms and, and the fatigue um, in particular which centre around uh, more research yep. um, getting awareness out about mm-hmm. these these long COVID symptoms uh, improving diagnosis of long COVID because um, even more recent published studies around long COVID admit that there isn't any set definition of of what it is yet and and what the the symptoms are. Um, bringing specialised support um, to people with these symptoms and um, mm-hmm. also screening for it based on resources like the the COVID symptom study app um, yeah. to try and work out the exact number of people that are are experiencing these symptoms. And I think that's so important. But with those five recommendations, I think that can be a a good way of of progressing research. And mm-hmm. uh, clearly, this is going to be part of the the next phase of of COVID research. Now that we've uh, seen some successful vaccines, and and hopefully we're going to find effective uh, preventive treatments, we can maybe move the focus on to, to people that have unfortunately already gotten ill and are still feeling the the after effects. So um, I'm looking forward in 2021 to, to see more research on this really important topic and, and covering it as best we can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for being so open, Rory, and uh, sharing your sort of, uh, what about term, your COVID journey. That's, yeah, it's. I'm very glad that the journey certainly appears to be over. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm certainly glad to be to be back on Opinionated Science. But um, yeah, I think until next time, that's that's all from us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks time no uh, no gaps hopefully uh with a, another episode um but as always please do like and share our podcast wherever you're listening and please comment on it please don't keep your opinions to yourself bye for now